Hey, Hoagie's Garage. Tobe, we're back in action. Yeah, week, week of rest and take it off. Rest oh, yeah. my voice so I can <laughs> yeah. talk more. Yeah, so we can't <laughs> talk enough. Yeah, yeah, so. Oh. Um, yeah, I don't have a whole lot new going on. No, no, not much. I, I've actually used the week to paint some cupboards and uh, do some painting in the laundry room, so. All I know is I ate too dang much supper tonight. We had chili burgers, and you have French fries, and you put chili and cheese on top of the fries, and you dump that all over top, a little cayenne pepper, and I always eat too much. I Two had, glasses of milk later, and I'm, I was half miserable on the way over. I had leftover barbecues. I'll be ready to have a snack by the time I get home oh, yeah. after tonight. But. Oh, of course, of course. So, hey, uh, it's going to be a fun one tonight. I we think got, so. we got a couple different ones on. We're starting the night here with uh, Shane Stewart. Looking uh, forward to the learning about the transition, I think, what I'm looking interested in from going from racing to, you know, yeah. to owning a track or Yeah, you know, how how do you how do you decide that okay, I've had enough racing yep. and hey, let's go buy a racetrack. <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, you stayed in racing. So yeah. You, you still get that alcohol addiction smell from the fumes and stuff, so you don't yeah. go cold turkey, but Absolutely. we'll see what the man says. Absolutely. So when we come back, we have Shane Stewart on. Fulkins Brothers Trucking, complete livestock hauling. A load with us is a load off your mind. Since 1979, call Trim at 800-831-8553. That's Fulkins Brothers Trucking. Um, call Trim at 800-831-8553. And thank you, fellas, for being part of our show. Hey, we're here at Hoagie's Garage, and we have Shane Stewart on tonight. How you doing, Shane? Great, guys. Thank you very much for having me on. I appreciate you reaching out to me. You bet. You bet. Great you could be on with us. <laughs> Why don't you... Hey, listen, so I don't... Not to interrupt you, but I don't... There's not too many people that want to hear my story, so... <laughs> oh, well. I, 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 I beg I, to differ. Not, not that it discourages me by any means. I'm just like, this doesn't happen very often, so it's good, it's good to be on a... On a uh, a true hardcore podcast so thanks for reaching out <laughs> you bet you bet i i honestly think we have some good stuff to cover shane because we're going to cover i mean you were a heck of a driver back in the day not too long ago i shouldn't say back in the day but you know now you're with the racetrack so i think we have a lot to talk about but first why don't you just talk about your family yeah, well, so my family has obviously been a big part of my uh, my racing career. My 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 mom and my dad own a speed shop uh, in Tulsa, Oklahoma. They sell sprint car and midget micro parts, and um, behind them is a guy that repairs micros and builds Nerf bars and and repairs sprint cars and. Um, my dad raced at the old Tulsa Speedway, which you're probably not familiar with being up, up in, from South Dakota, but it was pretty famous. It, it had a lot of really good, um, guys that, that used to race there on a weekly basis, Emmett Hahn and, um, I mean, they the, the names go on and on, but anyway, my dad raced there, uh, has been around racing, uh, all of his life and got me involved. I had a younger brother, Darren, that raced uh for a living just for a split second and and saw the writing on the wall <laughs> saw the writing on the wall and said you know what this i don't know about all this so he ended up getting himself a good education and he works at chesapeake which is an energy company here in oklahoma and uh come full circle which we'll talk about but now him and and my two nephews race at port city and uh so in a nutshell racing's been in my my blood uh, since I was born and, and I cussed my dad because he was a professional golfer, um, before he bought, uh, Carn Fleet, which is the speed shop. And I'm like, dang it, dad. Like, I like, why, why I don't, what happened? <laughs> like, why, why couldn't you have remained a professional golfer? I could have went down that path. <laughs> I would have been. I would have been paying a, a, a caddy and a golf coach and making way more money than I ever made racing. So we, we laugh about that. But, um, you know, obviously fortunate to be able to race professionally for, uh, gosh, 20 years, I think. And um, uh, we, uh, you know, I, I was fortunate to be able to end on my terms and uh, in healthy conditions and, 
you know, I, I was able to race for a lot of great car owners and uh, race around the country, the world. I raced New Zealand, Australia, Canada. And, um, you know, if I, if we didn't drive through it, the, the state, we, we raced in it. So we were able to, <laughs> you've covered them all. We, uh, we've covered them all. Yeah. So really fortunate to not necessarily be my own boss, but, you know, do our own things between races. And, and, uh, I experienced a lot of great, great times with my family. And then once my kids got older, you know, I had to sell the motorhome because it didn't make any sense to have it anymore because they weren't with me. And then it just, racing just kind of lost its vibe for me. So, yeah. Then, then we kind of found out that, um, you know, my wife's family is from Illinois, uh, huge race fans, but I grew up and was raised in Oklahoma. Uh, lived in Indianapolis for 15 years. Um, found out through a couple of good friends of mine that Port City might be for sale. Port City had a great name and has for a long, long time uh, in the micro scene. And one thing led to another and it, uh, it all worked out. So Shane, you, you, you know, you raced for a long time and you know, you said your dad quit golf and whatever and bought the speed shop. So what did you start out racing in? I mean, I'm assuming you didn't jump into a 410 on your first night out or did you? No, 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 no. So, uh, around Tulsa, we had a really strong, uh, quarter midget series. Uh, and actually, uh, it's still going strong, but we had what we called a region six. Uh, and we went to their surrounding States around, uh, the Oklahoma, Texas, Kansas, Missouri. Um, so we cut up my, cut my teeth and, and quarter midgets, um, ran those for a few years and then at the time uh they didn't have 600 micros like they have now but they had uh 125 cc engines and then 250 rotax uh snowmobile engines uh that we ran in micros uh cut my and then i went from uh corner midgets to the 125 ran that for a season or two and then jumped into the 250 micros uh and then um we had a good family friend of ours, Andy Hillenberg, that oh, yep. took a couple took a couple years off to kind of learn the family business. And of course, he had all of his uh, sprint car stuff sitting around. <coughs> Excuse me. And um, so that I honestly went from a two fifty uh, Rotax micro to a four ten sprint car. And no, uh, no difference there at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it was a lot of. Trust me, it was a lot of quiet nights at the dinner table because <laughs> I, I tore a lot of stuff up. <laughs> well, that, that happens when you're going around in a circle with a bunch of other guys. Yeah, yeah, no, it doesn't. And it didn't didn't help that I was, you know, 14 or 15 racing with a bunch of adults. Also, and, uh, okay, I, I, that's the next thing I was going to ask is how old were you when you started into the big class? But Yeah, no, I was young. I was really young and, and probably too young, but. Um, I tell parents all the time now, I mean, cause I get asked all the time, like, you know, what should our next step be? And I'm like, you know, I can tell you that if you can afford to do it and not every parent can, or not, a, not all the families can, but I said, if you can afford to do it, go to the higher speed first and then progress backwards because it's always easier to get a kid to slow down than it is to teach a kid to go fast. Oh, okay. And uh, I was I was fortunate to be able to do that, but at the time, ASCS wasn't around, so the the 360 scene hadn't really started yet. Yep. And uh, so my only transition was to go from where I was to a to a 410. So it kind of worked out good for me. But I tell parents all the time, don't don't be like if your kid has a little bit of talent, and and you you know when you when you see it at our level you know, like pretty quick, the kids that understand, they focus, yep. uh, they pay attention, even at, even at an age of, of seven, eight, nine. Um, and I tell them like, Oh, what do you think our next step should be? I'm like, well, don't waste your time here. Go to here because they'll adapt just fine, but you're going to have to go through your, you know, your crashes and, Oh yeah. And all that, which I do. Trust me. i I, I watered up a few sprint cars before I, <laughs> I did what, what 
<coughs> what it meant not to win it on the first lap. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, you still see that today. Yeah, <laughs> every once in a while you see somebody's got to try that, and it don't always work out so good. No, no, it doesn't. <laughs> well, we were down at I-80 for that last outlaw race down there, and they crashed. You know, what was that? The B feature, I think. They crashed out the pole sitter, and they were just lining up. Yeah. Down the front yeah, well, so that's another thing, too. So I, I tell parents all the time, they're like, oh, you know, Johnny, gosh dang it, like he's messing up. I'm like, let me tell you something. I've crashed lining up. I've crashed hot lapping. I've crashed qualifying. I've done it all. And, <laughs> and a lot of drivers are the same. You know, and I tell them, like, when you race 100 races a year and you do it for several years in a row, you're going to have a lot of crazy shit happen to you. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, I said, don't get mad at Johnny because he has a bad night here and there because it's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Well, I can remember this has been quite a few years ago, but there was a gentleman won a race up at Houston's, took a parade lap, a victory lap, and then dumped her down the front stretch, hit the wall coming out of four, and rolled her down <laughs> past the flag stand on his victory lap. So. No, I haven't done that. I haven't done that one. <laughs> he just didn't want to weigh. <laughs> yeah. I don't yeah. think they weighed back then. Yeah. Everything was heavy back then. I don't think there was a scale. Yeah. That was way before titanium, I think. So, so what are some of your best memories of racing, of you personally? Oh man, uh, it's hard to pinpoint them. I, I've had so many. I, honestly, I feel like I tell everyone all the time. Like they ask me, "Do you miss racing?" I'm like, "No, I don't," because the transition from being a driver to a track owner was at the right time for me. What I miss the most is the people. Um, you know, and there's obviously, you know, this was the first year that I didn't run the Knoxville Nationals since ninety. Uh, let me see since 97 or 98 so that was that was pretty tough on me um i have a lot of great memories at knoxville um and gosh dang it the 410 nationals was in my hands a few times and it just didn't work out for me but um i miss i really missed that race i missed the week you know leading up to the nationals and but um I come home, I watch the Outlaws whenever I can on, on Dirt Vision, and I haven't once, or all the, the All-Stars or whatever, but I haven't once thought, man, I wish I was there. So, um, to me, you know, all the people that you meet along the way, and a lot of these people have helped me um, on the business side of things, understand it, um, be partners with me on things, those are the connections uh, I made, you know, throughout, you know, the 20 plus years I was on the road. And um, that to me is probably the most important thing. I mean, I had several wins. I had several really cool wins. I had wins that I've kind of forgot about that people still bring up to me and talk about. And I'm like, yes, I remember that. But honestly, I remember the ones that I almost had more than the ones that I had. And, um, you know, those are the little memories that I'll, you know, that'll last forever. But the friends uh, and the acquaintances and the, and the people that you meet along the way, honestly, is probably the, the, the things that stick with me the most. Yeah. Well, we've said it several times on the podcast. The racing community gets to be a big family. And when you travel the country like you did, you're going to have, you could say, extended family all over from different people that you meet there's there's a lot of truth to that yeah and you know like listen i i didn't i didn't have a lot of friends uh on the road i i always looked at it like you know i it's hard for me to be your buddy and if i have to slide you on the checkered flag lap to take your ass out then i don't want to have to deal with your wife being mad at my wife and me being mad at you so right so i was always pretty i was just kind of to myself but when you know and i didn't i mean not that i had a lot of enemies but i i, I had some enemies and, <laughs> but but when something went sideways um whether you know uh something bad happened or somebody got hurt it, it all that all got pushed aside 
True. Right? Like we all stepped up, we all did the right things, and and that, like you said, it's it's one big family, and there's a lot of truth to that. Yeah. So so, back when you were racing more full time, was was that ever your own car, or did you drive other cars, other people's cars? I should say. Well, I started out with my dad's car, um, and you know, of course, my parents they didn't have a lot of money, so they got me to the level that they could and they were like, you know, here's the deal. Like if you're, if you're going to want to do this for a living, you're, you're going to have to jump off the cliff and, and, and take a leap. The, the, the good thing about my situation was my dad, when I was growing up, I wasn't handed everything. Like I had to work on my cars. I had to build them. I had to maintain them. I had to wash them. Um, you know, I didn't, we didn't go to the racetrack with a dirty truck and trailer. Like that was just yeah. not right. So a lot of that helped me throughout my career because there were several moments that I didn't have a crew chief. I didn't have people to rely on, but I could still maintain and, you know, have decent finishes and whatever I was driving. So I was fortunate that my dad made me work on everything. That's another thing I stress to parents all the time. Like, make your kids do things. Like, don't, don't oh, go yeah. home. Yeah, don't get up on Sunday after church and and wash everything. Make them do it. Yeah, like it's their car. Make them wash it. Yeah. Um, but, um, but so I, I, uh, I was really fortunate that that my dad made me do all that. And, um, you know, it's even helped me. To, to where I'm at today, you know, being mechanically inclined and trying to think of how you fix things. And, um, you know, when I bought Port City, I didn't even know how to freaking start a grader. <laughs> and, and now, and now I'm actually grading my track and not, I, I screwed up at times, but all the gold guys that come in to help me fix it, they're like, Shane, damn it. It's just dirt. It's just dirt. It'll, you can move it and this and that. So, yeah. um, but I was, I, my dad was like, here's, you know, we're going to do this, but, um, you know, we're going to do it on our terms. And when we get to a level to where we can't do it anymore, you're going to have to go do it by yourself. So from that point, uh, to when I retired, I always drove for, for car owners. I never really owned my own team. Okay. You bet. All right. All right. We're going to take our first break. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about your racetrack. All right, we're back with Shane. Shane, uh, what led you to buying the track? How did that all come about? And it's it's uh, Port City, correct? It is, yeah. So, uh, you know, my my whole career and my life has come full circle, right? So, Andy Hillenberg helped me get my career started, and Andy was kind of always my go-to person to, to complain. Uh, and deal with all my not here's the thing so me and andy go way back we were sitting in charlotte and andy was towards the end of his career uh it was raining we were we were sitting in his motorhome and uh his wife dn calls and they're at a baseball game and andy hangs up the phone he's like that's it he's like this is my last year i'm done i'm tired of being on the road and of course, that led into the conversation of, you know, how do you know when you're gonna? How do you know when you're gonna? When you want to be done? He's like, you'll know, you'll know when that time, <laughs> um, right? And of course, at that time, I'm like, I'm hundred percent, you know, as deep as I can be into racing. So none of it made any sense. But as you get older and things happen in your life, it started making sense to me, and um. I just knew I, I, my, my career, you know, I, I went from LMR to Kyle's deal. He kind of bought LMR out. And then I went to the five team, which had Clemens and that didn't work out real well. So I went, I pretty much ended racing with Bernie at, at any race parts and had some success with him. But I, I, I just, you know, Bernie could only race so much because, you know, funding for one and his main priority is his speed shop. And it was, I could just see the writing on the wall. And then my, like I said, my family wasn't with me anymore all the time on the road. 
and um, it just wasn't. I always enjoyed racing, no matter what. Like I would get pissed off and mad and throw shit and get mad, but I still enjoyed it, you know. Yeah. And then it got to the point to where I wasn't. I'd have a bad night, and then I wasn't enjoying it. Yep. And um, so I was on the phone with Andy, and I was complaining about this and that. And he's like, "Hey, I I heard that uh, Port City might be for sale," and I'm like, "What?" And because uh, I knew that, so Port City, in a nutshell, it started in the 70s um, by a group of guys, and they raced like Odysseys and go-karts, and then it progressed from there to motorcycles and into the, the micro scene, and then over the years, the micro scene around the Oklahoma area just grew and grew and grew and grew. Uh, then they had a guy that... Uh, that owned the Speedway for 13 years. His name was Aaron Lemons. He grew it to a really big level. And, dude, they'd have, you know, 200-plus entries on a Saturday night. And um, so then Aaron got tired of it, sold it to a guy. The guy that bought it got a little nervous about insurance. He had a lot of money. And uh, he was afraid, you know, about this and that, a car flipping in the stands and him being sued or whatever. So I sat dormant for a couple of years or about a year and a half. And then uh, Mike, Mike and, and Mike Eubanks and Mike Ross bought it, which is the, the, the individuals that I bought it from. They owned it for three years after Aaron pretty much. But yeah, so, so, my, so I ended up buying the track from Mike Eubanks and Mike Ross. Um, but, in, but in the downtime, uh, between Aaron and, and Mike and Mike, uh, John Fiore, who owned the place for a couple of years, ended up dumping a lot of money into it. He had a concrete here and there and, and made things a lot nicer. And one of the cool things he did is he put a double wide trailer on it, which doesn't sound that great, but he was thinking that he wanted to have a restaurant or a driving school. And then John got nervous about insurance and cars flipping in the stands and blah, blah. So the track, the track kind of sat dormant for about a year and a half. And then Mike and Mike stepped in, bought the, bought the track, fixed it all back up. And, um, then I step into the, into the equation. But when Mike owned it, they turned the double wide into Bob's turn five, which is a full bar. And Mike Eubanks owns Telstar, which is a, a telecommunication, telecommunication company. And he does all the TV. Yeah, so so Mike Eubanks owns a tele, telecommunication, telecommunication company that does all the lighting, all the TVs um, for all the big casinos around Tulsa. Well, he's turned Bob's Turn 5 into a place to be, right? It's got a full bar. Uh, it's, there's... 10, 10 or 12 TVs in there, um, which we play all the racing, all the baseball, football, basketball, whatever's going on uh, during the racing season, um, which isn't a lot of sports, but we can you can walk into Bob's Turn 5, sit down, have a cold drink or a beer, and watch the World of Outlaws. You can watch the late models. You can watch micros. You can whatever you Whatever your cup of tea is. Um, that sounds awesome. We only got three TVs in our garage, bud. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's a really cool place. But anyway, that was you know part of the 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 what I bought, right? Yeah. And uh, they literally when they bought when they bought the track from John, uh, there was trees growing up in the infield and the track. They literally turned this whole place around. Uh, and made it what it is today. I mean, we I've cleaned it up a little bit and added stuff here and there, but it is, I'm telling you, I there's not many racetracks around the country that I would compare to ours. I mean, as far as cleanliness, good food, uh, accommodating to, you know, the, the our customers, um, you know, I inherited a, a really nice place, and it, it just happens to be a place that raises micros. And, um, you know, all of our out-of-town people that come and race there uh, enjoy themselves. Um, it's, you know, it's just it's just a really cool 
it's, it's just a really cool place. So I was fortunate to be in the right spot at the right time and um, heard through the rumor mills that it was for sale and then reached out to one of the owners and, and said, hey, look, you know, if this is the case, shoot me a number. Um, you know, I think I have an investor that would help me deal, do with all this stuff and or deal with it and be my bank more or less. And it goes back full circle, right? Like I, yeah. I've reached out a guy that I drove for a long time ago that I've done business deals with between 2005 and present time. And, uh, I tell Kevin about what we're trying to do and he's like, I'm a hundred percent on board. So, um, so more or less Kevin Redeen, the guy I drove for in 2005 is my partner at port city. And, and now we're dealing with other business deals and, and, you know, you just one of the things that I try to tell the kids and the drivers as they get older, don't sever ties. Like if you if you drive for somebody and you get fired, just try to end on good terms because you never know yeah. if that guy can help you along the way. So um, it's really hard to rebuild yeah. the bridge after you burn it down. Yeah, you can't. It's hard to rebuild it. It yep. is hard to rebuild it. And uh, so, yeah. So now here I am. Now I'm getting cussed out by parents, and <laughs> and and grandma and grandpas are pissed off at me. And, and uh, <laughs> I, uh, I, uh, I, I'll, I'll send a message to to both mics every once in a while. I'm like, damn you guys! Like you didn't tell me. You didn't tell me. You didn't tell me. Grandma was going to pound in my ass. <laughs> yeah. All the crazy people that we have to deal with on a daily basis. And I'm like, dang you. Yeah. So, um, but with all that said, there, listen, when you own a track, you don't very rarely do you get patted on the back, no. um, which is okay because I know, I know we're doing a good job. Um, but it, the, the progression, you know, we, we have a junior sprint class. Uh, and the people that are kind of educated with the, the micro world, we have we run five classes on a weekly basis. Yep. We have junior sprints, which are uh, six to uh, eleven year old, and then we have, or no, I'm sorry, yeah, six to thirteen year old, yeah, six to thirteen, and then our we have a restrictor class that is fourteen to sixteen. So those are all kids, they're yeah. all kids, they're all learning how to race and to watch them get better and progress week from week to week is the best thing ever. Um, and, and that's, I mean, uh, it, it makes what you're doing worthwhile. It, exactly. I mean, yeah. It makes exactly. it makes it enjoyable for you. It does. It does. And, and like, listen, like racing, Racing has given me a lot in my life. So to me, this is a, a small part of me giving back to what racing did to, to me and to my family. And, um, you know, to, to, to be able to coach the kids a little bit, whether they listen or not, whether the parents listen or not, you know, I've been around the ringer. I've been through it and, and seen it and done it. And, um, they don't all listen. Um, but the ones that do and progress, it's 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 really good. It's really cool. Yeah. You bet. So you just had a huge race this weekend. I mean, I, was there Coons was there more back. than two hundred cars total there? I mean, there was a ton of cars there. How how do you handle that? And was it a great event for you? I mean, it was great on TV. I know that. Yeah. So you know. Um, Keith Coons um, started the KKM Give Back, um, I think, five years ago. And it spent two years at Millbridge, uh, which is the micro track in, yep. in North Carolina. And then um, Keith decided, uh, actually, this, the year that I bought it, he told me, hey, look, I'm, I'm thinking about moving the, my race to your track. And you talk about excited. I'm like, holy crap. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, and, and from last year to this year, uh, man, I mean, we had, I think we had 87 non-wings last year and all he did last year was non-wing and restrictor class. Well, this year he incorporated the, uh, junior sprints. So I think we had 26 junior sprints, 50 something, restrictor and we had 120 
uh, non-wing cars. That's pretty close to 200 cars. <laughs> yeah. And, and here's the deal. Like, we're, so our track uh, is so used to a big high car count that it's just a, another day for yeah. us. Um, there's, there's 35 of us that make city work on a Saturday. Um, there, really? I have two, I have two full-time employees that help us through the week. I got, I have Haas, uh, which is unbelievable announcer. Uh, he does all of our, um, social media work. He lives in the house in front of the property. So we, we rely on Haas for several things. And then I have a guy named Kenny, uh, who is unbelievable too. Um, he works with me on the other side of it. My, my wife, Jen takes care of the books and does the, the money side of it. And then Kenny and I, we take care of the track and maintain that side of it. And, um, but on a Saturday, there's 35 people that make poor city work. And you're, so when I bought it, I'm like, what in the heck? 35, there's no way you need that many <laughs> you people. You don't have to have that many. Yeah, so, but but when one person would be gone, or you would think, oh, I think I'd get rid of that person, it's a, just a big void. So um, we learned pretty quickly that the team that was established before we bought the track, uh, there's, they're just just a good group of people and very fortunate to have them. It's really hard to get people to work in general, but to give, to have a group of people like that, to give up almost every weekend to come and hang out and, and work and enjoy it and not get paid a lot of money. They don't, they're not getting paid a lot of money. Yeah. And so we're, we're pretty fortunate on that side of it. And, and, uh, so Keith recognized that and, you know, we work hard at Fort city, right? Like we're, we're always trying to, make our track nicer and cleaner and, and fix things and make them safer and this and that. And, and he recognized that and from where the race was last year to this year. Um, well, we just, as a group, we just couldn't be any more happy with how it's growing. So you bet. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Not, not making nothing up, but me and one of the other brothers that we've talked about it in the pastory, that that would be a fun track to come down and watch sometime. Cause we, you know, we watch it quite often here in the garage and it's just them little short tracks like that. And them little carts, they're a lot of fun to watch. And yeah, well, so, you know, we had a lot of, uh, like people that travel a long way for the KKM race, a lot of people from California, a lot of people from Pennsylvania and same, right? Like they, they came and, and walked up to the track and they were like, Holy crap. Yeah. Like, flow does not do this place justice because flow doesn't show the banking you know flow yeah. doesn't show all the stuff leading into the track and all the improvements that we made and um there they there was a lot of people that came to our track this past weekend and was like holy like man this place is really nice it's a clean place we work hard at keeping it clean and um you know that that was that was encouraging, but you're uh, we appreciate you guys watching. But yeah, you're right. You need to get try to get down here and, and watch a midget race uh, or, or a micro race and, and see how yeah. cool of an event it is. Did you did you have MedStar down there this weekend? From we did, yeah, we yeah, did. Yeah, that's what All I thought guys. I saw. Yeah. I saw it. They were riding through, showing how many cars were there. So yeah, yeah, that's. Yeah. Yeah, we've got one of our local guys, Jody Roseboom, has been down there a few times and raced, and he said it's a lot yes. of fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know Jody really well. Yeah, yeah. He lives well. He lives right. I live in Rock Rapids, so he's just a couple miles out of town. So, so do you have do you have anything new going on for next year, or any secrets for next year that you could share, or are you pretty much same old same old next year? No, we're you know one of the things that we've learned over the past couple of years is trying to figure out you know, what makes sense on our schedule, you know, you know, we, we, we have to race around 40 races to make sure we have enough money in the kitty to get through our winter months. And, um, we're, we're just, we're negotiating on what we do if we race more two day races and take weekends off, um, because our local guys, they get burnt out. I mean, they're just, you know, yeah. they're nine to five warriors and, you know, unfortunately, with the way the economy is, like when they crash, 
and it happens at our track because it's tight. It's a little, oh, yeah. it's a little track, you know. And uh, when they crash, they don't they don't fix their car and come back the next week. So it takes them a couple weeks to you know get their money built back up, put in those, whatever it is, front axle or a wing, or and uh, then they come back and race. So we're looking at changing our schedule up a lot, um, figuring out that side of it. That I'm telling you, the schedule side is tricky. Like yeah, it's tricky to not step on other big races toes right and, yep. and get bigger races at the right dates and make sense of weather and and um all that so there's going to be some changes on that side of it we're we're looking at adding some led lighting i don't know if i'm going to be able to afford to do it but we're we're in the process of getting that started and um there's little things that we're going to continue to to upgrade and make things nicer and nicer as we go. I, I, we built a really nice press box uh, last winter, which gave me gray hairs on my ass um, because we didn't really get it. It wasn't even finished until like literally the week before we were going to have one of our bigger races of the season. So oh, that was super stressful, uh, but I'm not, I'm not doing anything big like that. So uh, our projects are going to be, you know, just tidying it up things and, and getting everything. I'm, here's another thing too, is like with the, the shootout and the, and the chili bowl in our back pocket, we have a ton of people that rent our track throughout our, our winter months. And, um, so that we get phone calls all the time about that, which is, which is really cool. So, um, it's nothing for us to rent the track out, you know, every, you know, two weeks, to somebody leading up to those two events and Want to get um, some laps in and some practice or exactly whatever. yep and, and and not that our tracks are real comparable but size wise they are so sure um it get it gives people a good chance to you know shake down their whatever it might Run be the motor if they got a new motor get a few laps exactly. on it before they fire it and go and yep exactly so we're busy with all that too all right hey we're gonna take one quick break and we'll be right back like to thank Octane Inc. from T South Dakota. They pretty much do a little bit of everything. They are known for their wraps. They wrap golf carts, uh, snowmobiles, um, trailers, sprint cars, hobby stocks. It doesn't matter. Uh, side by sides, they wrap it. Uh, they also do coolers and they will also do clothing. You can have t-shirts made there. Um, you name it, these guys can do it. I work with Brett uh, Vanderbrink all the time. He is amazing, and I can't thank him enough for how much he helps me. And if I were you guys, I would definitely check out Octane Inc. You can contact them by calling 605-213-8343. It is 800 East Prescott in T, South Dakota. And again, they're just great people to work with. All right, we're back here at the garage. Um, Shane, just some rapid-fire questions here to wrap it up so we don't keep you here all night. But um, what's your favorite flavor of ice cream? Uh, chocolate chip. Um, cat or a dog person? Ah, oh, man, I'm a dog person, but here's the deal. My wife and my kids, they love cats, and I have a cat and two dogs. But Did you say a cat I, or eight? No, 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 a cat. Okay, okay. okay. <laughs> I would shoot myself if I had a cat. No, a, a, a cat and two dogs. Okay. Uh, so you had mentioned your dad was a professional golfer at one time. Do you have any hobbies other than racing? Well, that that's one of the hobbies I enjoy to do is is I enjoy to golf. I'm not very good at it, but I I, I enjoy doing it. Oh, maybe so. we can go golfing where we ain't very good, but we stand a chance. Uh, what's your favorite movie? Oh, if you can uh, think of one. Thunder. Okay. Um, snow or rain? What do you prefer? Uh, rain. Okay. Um, if there's one we got from a gentleman out in. Pennsylvania for a question. If you were going to be stranded on an island, what album or music would you have to take long to listen to? Oh, crap. Are you kidding me? <laughs> uh, 
Well, Chris didn't say it was an easy question. And I'm not overly a music guy, so I would not even be able to answer the question, to be honest. I'm not either. Like like all genres of music, I don't – man, uh, Garth Brooks. There you go. You have a lot to listen to there. Do you have a favorite place to go out and eat at down there? Um, well, so I'm, I think I'm half Mexican and I'm really not, I'm, I'm full blood white man, but I love Mexican food and, and Oklahoma, the Tulsa area has, uh, a lot of good Mexican restaurants. So if I was going to send, I mean, we have good steak restaurants too, but I'm, I could eat Mexican almost every day. So that's my go-to. There you go. Do you have a favorite holiday? Um, Christmas. What app on your phone do you use the most? Oh, you know what? Um, so I'm, I'm not like big on my phone. Like I'm not hardly on Facebook a little bit. I used to be a Twitter guy, but then all my buddies started sending me these uh, TikTok videos. And I'm like, what in the heck <laughs> is TikTok? So I download the app and that's my go-to. They're, they're, I'm telling you, TikTok is really good. There's a lot of good devotion videos a lot of good cooking videos which i'm not a great cook but i enjoy doing that side of things too and um yeah tiktok is is the new thing for me i have it on my phone but i've never even looked at it just because my kids but i'm telling you if you do you're gonna be addicted so don't even open it up okay (laughs) i don't don't have it on mine but my kid sends me some every so often it's good um, how many speeding tickets have you ever have you gotten over the years? <laughs> a lot. <laughs> but here's the thing. So I I I had uh, this is a kind of a long story, but it's pretty good. So I got my license. I had two tickets in one week, right? So <laughs> I had to go to court. I had the judge was like, here's here's the deal. You have to do eight hours of community service. Well, the lady at the courthouse was a race fan, and I had a couple buddies that were in trouble for speeding too. Well, the normal job for community service around the little town I grew up in was to go to the cemetery and mow and weed eat. Well, the lady was like, hey, Shane, there's an older guy that is building a wall. And at that time of the year, it's kind of warm, but not crazy hot around Tulsa so but it was starting to get warm so but she said there's an older guy that's above the fire station building a wall and he needs some help and I'm like yeah I'll help him so he runs out of sheetrock studs and the hardware store guy pulls up and we're upstairs so they're they're kind of somewhat throwing up the stainless studs through the stairwell of the courthouse and holy crap, I catch one and it slides out of my hand and it freaking fillets in my hand and my thumb wide open, right? And I mean, it caught me good. So I'm just sitting there thinking, you dummy, you should have went with your buddies and we needed at the cemetery and you wouldn't be going through all this craziness. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so long story short, but uh, yeah. Should have so, wore gloves. I should have wore gloves. <laughs> <laughs> so, in those speeding tickets, what what's the fastest? Maybe you weren't even caught, but what's the fastest you've driven on the highway? Oh, I've. And, and so that was leading up to my other part of it. So my so I uh, meet Jen. I, I we're we're married, and um, I've literally had just the other day. I've had I don't know how many warnings, and Jen gets so mad. Uh, but when she was pregnant, I would use that as an excuse. Hey, look, man, I'm sorry. We're trying to get to, she's got a pee and she's in discomfort. And, and they're always like, well, so the other day I was going to my good buddy's uh, funeral in Des Moines. So I'm hauling the mail through Kansas City, going up 35. High patrolman pulls me over and uh, he uh, comes and gets all my information, goes back to his car. And I'm doing like 85 and a or 90 and a 70. And uh, he comes back to me and goes, hey, buddy, uh, it's your lucky day. <laughs> I start chuckling. I said, listen, 
I own a racetrack and I have not heard those words and I don't know how long. I said, <laughs> I really appreciate the, that saying. He said, my printer and my car's broke. So here's your license and registration back. This is your warning. Slow down. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't wait to get on the phone to tell Gia because she was going to be so bad. She's like, are you freaking kidding me? Oh. So in the past several years, and I'll probably get a ticket tomorrow, but, um, I, I speed all the time. I'm, I'm at least 10 over, always five. Um, but I haven't gotten a ticket in a really long time. <laughs> oh, knock on wood there. Yeah, hit something I, hard. I'm telling you, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'll probably get one tomorrow. <laughs> Do you have a go-to drink or what's your favorite drink? Okay, so obviously owning a bar at the track. Um, in the summertime, uh, uh, Moscow Mule. Um, that's a good summer drink. And then... Um, this year at the Knoxville Nationals, we were sitting in Dingus, and uh, you know I I drink a little bit of beer, and um, you know it's just one of the things when you're when you get full, it just kind of bloats you. So I'm like, I walk up the bar, and um, a couple of my buddies drink uh, Deep Eddie's Cranberry with um, uh, oh dang it, what do they mix it with? Uh, ginger ale so it's deep eddie's cranberry with ginger ale so i asked for that and uh he's, she said no i don't have deep eddie's cranberry but i have deep eddie's iced tea and i'm like yeah, i like iced tea <laughs> so she said um I, uh, and i asked her i'm like what do you mix that with she said lemonade i'm like oh man this sounds pretty good on, on a palmer right and uh, so deep eddie's iced tea with lemonade you can't go wrong oh there you go there you go Last and then, one. last question: If you could own any car, pickup, vehicle, whatever in the world, and, and money wasn't an issue, what 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 do you wish you could have? Uh, a McLaren. Okay, <laughs> that's right. Might, up there. He might get a few more speeding tickets than yeah. that. <laughs> I, I would definitely. So my my accountant uh, has one, right? And so Ooh. I walk into his office. You must pay him day. well. No, what? Not me. Oh. Right? I'm like not even a, I'm a mosquito. <laughs> but uh, uh, so anyway, I walk into his office one day, and I'm a car guy. He's like, "Hey, if you had, you know, two hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars just to spend on a car, what would it be?" And I'm like, "McLaren, like no brainer." He's like, "Are you kidding me?" He's like, "Nobody's guessed that. Nobody." And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, I have one out back. And I'm like, no freaking way. So we go out back. Out back, yeah. Yep. <laughs> dude, this thing is full carbon. Uh, it'll do, it'll do, it'll do almost 90 in first gear. Oh, God. I'm, I'm talking freaking getting it. It'll do 200 plus. <laughs> Easy. Oh. So I'm oh. like, yep, that just, because I'd never, you know, I'd never seen one. I've seen one, but not like sat in one and. Sure. But, I'm guessing uh, at 200 it, that it wouldn't make any difference. At 200, it no, wouldn't make any difference if the printer wasn't working. <laughs> <That's right>. <laughs> <laughs> he'd, he'd call the next cop over and you'd be getting a ticket yeah. anyhow. Yeah, uh, the problem is the helicopter. You ain't got to outrun that guy. No. All right. Well, hey, Shane, thanks so much for being on. Is there anything else you want to mention before we let you go? No, I, I, uh, I think I pretty much summed up my life in, in 15 minutes, so... I appreciate right. you guys having me on your show. And, uh, you know, I was always a, a big fan of Husits and had some good wins there. And back in the gum out series days. Yep. And, um, you know, even after that, when I was racing for Paul Silva, we would go and race Knoxville and, and race Husits on Sunday and became really good friends with Doug Wolfgang. And, um, you know, when, you know, at the time his son Robbie was racing and, and to sit there and chit chat with him and hear his stories, obviously an icon of the sport and um, just a lot of really good memories and obviously great to see uh, the track where it is today with, you know, under Todd's yep. um, arms and, and what he's going to do at the place. It's uh, it's really cool. So hopefully one day I can sneak back up there and, and visit. All right. Well, if you get this way, you'll have to give us a holler. We can take you out for supper or something. Sure. Sounds good, man. All right. Take care, Shane. Thanks, guys. Appreciate All right. it. Bye.
Hey, we would like to thank our newest sponsor, Tobe. Yeah. Husets Speedway. Isn't it great to have Husets back? Oh, it is. What, oh, a, man. what a great attribute to the area. So awesome. So our new sponsorship, um, basically what we are doing is we are going to have a show um, each week after a normal, regular show. Right, Tobe? Yep, yep. Normal show. Try to get the three winners together. Well, not at the same time, but same night, hopefully. And put together a little half-hour podcast with the winners to see how they talk about their night and yep, it'll just from be there. a five ten minute conversation. Well, with, yeah, uh, like we've ever had a five ten minute conversation, but we're with, not shooting for an hour show yep, or anything. With but each driver and uh, just talk about Husets and how the night went and yeah, see how it goes. So again, we want to thank Husets Speedway for allowing us to do this. Yep, and who knows, maybe it'll lead to something else. Hey, told Shane was really good. Yes, he was. He I was, liked it. It talker. Yeah. I mean, well, nobody wants to listen to us. No. Most people probably don't listen to the ending because it's only you and me talking. <laughs> but and we do need to apologize. We had a first. Well, we had another. We, you know, we always have first. And uh, <laughs> my daughter, my daughter, who's amazing, but uh, she tried FaceTiming us twice, and when she does that. It comes on my computer and it stops the podcast. Yep. And I am not smart enough to we figure actually out. We had to try and figure out how to edit a little bit to go back. Yeah, but we've I, never edited anything before. We we need to apologize to Shane if there if there is any overlap. It is definitely not Shane's no, fault. No, no, this no. is this is all on me. And uh, yeah, it's all but one yep, of me. No, yep. well, Tobe, you're not touching my computer, so it's all on me uh, to do this. And a thousand apologi- apologies to Shane. Um, felt really bad during the show, but, but hey, what, a, what a super nice guy. I'm, I'm sure my daughter was wanting to see, you know, my beautiful covers oh, and stuff. Oh, I'm you sure. know, I'm you're sure that's why face. she's FaceTiming yeah. instead of calling. So, uh, but anyhow, back to Shane. Shane was amazing. Yep. Great, you know, how he took over everything and how it came about. He explained it sounds so like it's well. Sounds going really well. Yeah. You know, the bar the bar down there sounds like a pretty good deal. Yeah. We're going to have to. Put ours to Shane. What do you say? I had 15 TVs and we got three. Yeah. Of course, we don't have room for 15 hardly anymore with all the pictures. Yeah, but... We don't have a racetrack right outside of no, either. No, no, so. no. But all but, right. Yeah, and I said it's. Me and Jer have talked about it. It'd be a lot of fun to go down there sometime. And and now it'd even be more fun to go down, I think. Absolutely. Check it all out. So. Absolutely. Anyways, great conversation with Shane. Hope you all enjoyed it. And we'll be back here to do our second podcast after a little bit.